when I say abundance, I don't just mean money because on the outside, when I was at that critical point of hitting my bottom, you would have envied my life. Actually, I was in my false self. I didn't think I was a fake person. In fact, everyone would say like, you're so real, da, 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 da. But when they would say that inside, I would go, if they only fucking knew. And I couldn't wait to get home from any like work conference, meeting, even a date to come home to my safe environment, take off my costume and just be me. So I obviously loved that isolation because it felt safe. I didn't have to perform. I didn't know I had another option. I thought it was performer death. Hi, I'm Barb Nangle. I want to welcome you to my podcast, Fragmented to Whole Life Lessons from 12-Step Recovery, where I help people heal their emotional, psychological, and spiritual wounds and make deep, lasting changes in their lives. I'm the founder and CEO of Higher Power Coaching and Consulting. I'm a boundaries coach who specializes in helping women who are focused on what others are thinking and doing and neglect themselves in the process. And I have coached hundreds of people on how to build healthy boundaries using my exclusive build framework. On this podcast, I share my experience, strength, and hope from recovery. I don't support or endorse any particular 12-step recovery fellowship, and I don't claim to speak for any particular 12-step fellowship. I also don't believe that 12-step recovery is the only way to recover. You might need additional help. I'm an avid beachcomber who collects sea glass, shells, wood, and stones. I am a formerly closeted fan of the Hallmark Channel, especially the Christmas movies. Hello, Christmas in July. I wear fingerless gloves from September to June because my hands are always cold, so I have about 15 pairs. And I get a huge kick out of counting how many days, weeks, and months there are until my birthday or Christmas at completely random times of the year. My hope is that you'll find my words concretely helpful in improving your life, whether you're in recovery or not. If you like what you've heard on this episode, please screenshot it and share it on your social media and tag me at Higher Power Coaching. This is episode 240 with guest Tiffany Carter from Abuse to Abundance. I am super fucking excited today to have Tiffany Carter on the podcast. I'm a huge fan of hers. I first heard her as a guest on the Adult Child Podcast with Andrea Ashley, which is, I hate to say this in front of you, Tiffany, but it's probably my favorite podcast and yours is my second favorite. And I immediately found her on Instagram and sent her a message. And I was like, oh my God, I was completely blown away. I had no idea what I was getting into when I started following her because I started following on her Instagram. Then I found out she had a podcast and I started listening to it. It's called Project Me with Tiffany. And she works with people primarily who have online businesses. Well, they can have products and stuff, but online too. And I have learned so, so much from her, both as a woman in recovery and as a businesswoman. And she has really helped me take my business to the next level. And what's amazing about her is that she went from abuse to abundance. So I'm really excited for you to hear Tiffany's story today. So I'm going to let you take it away from there, Tiffany. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. 
you know, I always like to give a heads up before I go into my story because my story reads like a multi-part lifetime movie. It's pretty dramatic and there's a lot of abuse. So I just like saying that ahead of time. So I grew up with a single parent, a mom who is a narcissist. This woman is very, very, very sick. I knew at a really young age, I mean, even as young as like six years old, like this woman is not well. And I realized that like when I would go and play at friends' houses or have sleepovers, I knew it wasn't normal in my house, but I also didn't grasp the severity of it. The real heavy abuse started at age 11. There was already narcissistic abuse going on leading up to this point, but it it went to another level. And my mom was an entrepreneur, which is also why I didn't want to be one, even though I have been one for 16 years now. The last thing I wanted to be was that because I associated being an entrepreneur with it being dangerous and bad things happening. So she ran her business out of our home. Unlike a lot of people you hear talking about healing your money trauma, I always say your childhood drama has caused your money trauma. You know, like this is all involved. You know, they usually are like, I grew up poor. We lived in our car. We were on food stamps. That's not my story. Okay. We were a wealthy family in a wealthy neighborhood. We had a house with an Olympic sized pool in the backyard. If you've ever seen the movie with Joan Crawford, Mommy Dearest, That was my childhood. And that was my mother. When you watch that, it can seem like very campy, like the no wire hangers. There were no wire hangers. Like I could get in trouble for one sock being on the ground. So she ran her business out of this home, even though the home was really large. It was pure chaos. Back in the day, 10 phone lines, phones with the cords, that terrible ring constantly. I would say a minimum of 50 people, employees, in and out all day long, just ringing doorbells, constant chaos, constant noise, my nervous system. It was insane. And she hired a quote unquote family friend as the warehouse manager. Pretty quickly, this man who I was 11, he was 19, started grooming her and grooming me simultaneously. If you're not familiar with grooming, it's when someone is building trust very quickly with an ulterior motive to get something. And it's common when you're sexually abused, right? There's always a grooming process involved and it's that kind of abuse. So I don't know if my mom was aware of the grooming or not. I want to at least give her a little bit of a pass there. And I was taught to call him my brother. I'm an only child. So I was delighted to have a sibling He bought me frozen yogurt. He bought me clothes. We played basketball. I loved him. And I was like, we'd go to school. And like, I have a brother. I remember very distinctly one day we pulled up to a drive-through ATM and he had me lean over him to enter the code, which sounded fun to me to do Mm -hmm. because that just sounds fun to, you know, an 11 year old. It sounded yeah. very like, a, yeah, adult like. And he groped me. Felt like all the blood left my body. I was frozen. And I was also equally devastated. 
And I remember sitting back in that passenger seat of his car knowing, oh, so all of the stuff he did and all of this fun and all of that, it wasn't because he loves me. He was trying to get something. And it was devastating because I was grieving the loss of what I thought was like a brother, right? What I thought was this person. It progressed very quickly from there. And this is when my mom was, I realized, was very involved. She would take me to the mall and buy me provocative outfits to go out on dates with him. He would use the company card to pay for these dates. And I'm talking full on like trendy restaurant, bottle of champagne. Not one person did anything. Nobody. And this is in Chicago. Like this isn't a metropolitan area. No one did anything. And this was constant. This wasn't once in a while. And so in middle school, I was acting out sexually, understandably, which is also common. So then I was also the school slut. So I had nowhere to go. At school, I was the school slut. At home, I was being abused. Every single night, he would come into my room like clockwork. Then it proceeded even from there where I kind of got to a point. It's so interesting what our minds do as survivors to rationalize stuff to survive. I thought, okay, well, this sucks. But I guess if I have to trade this in order to go out and have fun, um, in order to get Legos, in order to feel loved and feel like cared about, and I have to do this, like it sucks, but I can do it. I literally consciously had that thought. Until eighth grade, I remember I was sitting on the floor of my mom's bedroom watching TV in pink and white striped pajamas, as a fucking child does. And I overheard her down the hall. My mom had a very like loud, shrilling voice that carried. And she would also do this fun narc game of the loud whisper. So making it seem like she's whispering because she wants you to fucking hear every word kind of a game. It was that that was going on. And I heard her orchestrating the next person she's pimping me out to and sent him to her bedroom to orchestrate the first date with me. And I had that same feeling of when I was in the car pressing the ATM buttons and all the blood drained out of me. I had that same feeling. I can picture it like it was yesterday. And I went, oh my God, I was devastated that I had to do more. And this person I was taught to call my cousin. And this was actually some friend's son. He was also in that similar age. Like he was like, I think he was 21 or 23 in that zone. And same thing. There was no curfew when I went out with these people. But when I would go out, because I was abused from 11 to 21 years old, this continued. Even in high school, like let's say I'm 16 or 17, when I'd go out with friends, strict curfew. I was one minute late, hardcore grounded. So the confusion I had, because when I would be pimped out to these various people, there was no, you know, finding a payphone or a back then a car, cell phone or whatever, there was none of that to check in, none of it. But if I was innocently with a friend going and like eating pancakes at, you know, midnight, that was not acceptable. So very confusing, mixed messages. So you can imagine with me painting just a short form of 
this abuse picture. There's obviously a lot more. And I, I go into a lot of more detail, more stories about that on my podcast. But I had no self-worth. But I had to develop a sense of the false self, as is discussed in ACA, Adult Children of Alcoholics. That's my primary 12-step program. I'm also a proud member of Al-Anon. I need both. In my opinion, I believe they're very different. So with that false self being so hardcore developed so young, I knew even though I thought I was disgusting, I was dirty, I was a piece of shit, I was unlovable, I was you know, inherently flawed, as it says in the Red Book, I knew outwardly I couldn't present that way because that wouldn't be acceptable by mom because I still had to make her look good in society, at school, etc. I also knew like I would probably not survive well in middle school and high school and college, you know, with my head slumped down and like hiding all the time. So I would emulate other people I would see that looked competent. You know, I stood up straight. I would project my voice. I would sit in the front of the class at school. I'd be one of the first to raise my hand. I'd raise it competently. You know, I really studied people to do that as a form of survival. I obviously didn't realize it was survival, but there was a part of me that knew I needed to do that. And one of the main people, I don't know if I've ever shared this actually on any show, one of the main people who I emulated was Deborah Norville, who I need to have on my show. And she's the host of Inside Edition, longtime TV newscaster. You did share that somewhere. You did share that. I remember yeah. you talk about it. She spoke at my middle school. Yeah, I think it was on Rob's. Was it Rob? Is that who I just said? Murgatroyd? Uh, Paul Gilmartin. Oh, Paul Gilmartin. That's who it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mental Illness Happy Hour. It's a great show. Yeah. She captivated like, I didn't care if someone captivated the, the kids. The adults were captivated by her, really listened. And because I wanted to be heard, I wanted to be seen, I wanted to be respected, I instantly went, I'm going to be a TV newscaster. And I became one. The false self, Tiffany, became the TV newscaster, right? So I kept acting. As the false, like, I didn't know any better. I just, I did all the things, the people pleasing, the managing, the manipulation, I uh, every single classic thing of all the 14 traits of ACA, you know, did all of that. And I got to a point in life when I was about 36, 37 years old, I couldn't pull it off anymore. And I've noticed a pattern in that with the women that I coach with when I go and speak to these big audiences and people come up after, usually like I notice late thirties and older, that's when the wheels really fall off the bus. The overgiving, the overdoing, the performative, the not honoring one's needs and then getting sick all the time and can't do it anymore. And I didn't have a solution At that time, of course, I was getting in relationships with alcoholics because that's what was familiar to me. So narcissists, I had a sociopath in there. And I don't really on the outside, you know, why Barb and I, when we were talking about like titling this episode from abuse to abundance, which will be, you know, my full book someday. When I say abundance, I don't just mean money. 
because on the outside, when I was at that critical point of hitting my bottom, you would have envied my life, actually. I was in my false self and I wasn't, I didn't think I was a fake person. In fact, everyone would say like, you're so real, da, 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 da. But when they would say that inside, I would go, if they only fucking knew. And I couldn't wait to get home from any like work conference, meeting, even a date to come home to my safe environment, take off my costume and just be me. So I obviously loved that isolation because it felt safe. I didn't have to perform. I didn't know I had another option. I thought it was performer death. I did not think I had no self-worth that I could show up in the world as me and that would be safe and that would be respected and that would be abundant. There's no way. And no one could have convinced me otherwise. I had to, you know, I had to hit my bottom and I just could not live like that anymore of operating in that life. And I saw no other way out other than to off myself. And that was my bottom. I had the pills lined up on my kitchen counter. I was in the pharmaceutical medical world so I could get whatever I wanted, all the contacts, I knew what to do. I am not a substance addict. If I was, I'd be dead in a pile of cocaine in Brazil somewhere. That's a blessing from God that I'm not, I would, I tried though. I tried anything to dissociate, but what worked for me was workaholism and exercise addiction, both socially acceptable and even socially celebrated. But man, can I dissociate with dig in the weeds and then justify it? And then of course, relationships, right? Like one unhealthy relationship after the next, trying to fix someone, trying to get them to see the light and their potential and all the things we Al-Anons are so skilled at. And it was interesting how God works because one of my main alcoholic exes, I went to a big like Friday night AA speaker meeting, of course, with the full agenda of if I go to meetings with him, he'll get sober. But I went, I went, I laugh now because it is kind of funny. But I was like, really thought that was a solid plan before. (laughs) Like I could control it like I'm God, right? And so I went to this meeting and there were these ladies behind me and one lady was celebrating her 18th birthday. I was like, this woman is not 18. Like what is, I didn't understand the lingo. She goes, oh, she's like, how many years do you have? And I said, oh, I'm not. I'm not an addict. And I said, now my mom is another story. That woman's messed up. That woman's this, that woman is that I've been in therapy for five gazillion years. So all during this, I was in therapy since I was about 23 years old, hardcore, even outpatient. So think of that since 23 years old. Now we're at 37. I'm talking gazillions of hours of therapy, art therapy, equine therapy, but I still that wasn't enough. I still went to go to my bottom. So these ladies behind me, thank God for them. They were like, Oh, have you ever heard of ACA? And I was like, no. And they said, adult children of alcoholics. And I go, Oh, my mom's not an alcoholic. And then they explained it's also dysfunctional families, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. She wrote on a piece of paper, asked me like what neighborhood I lived in, wrote on a piece of paper, the closest meeting, the time, you know, the name of the church and stuff. And I took it to be polite. And I put it in my purse to also be polite. 
zero intention of going. In fact, in my head, I went, they have no idea. Like I've gone to so much therapy. Nothing's, Mm -hmm. that's not going to, what's that going to do? And when I made that resolution that I can no longer do this and my only way out was offing myself, I don't know how to explain it other than divine intervention. It was on a Saturday. It was actually on my real birthday. And I somehow transported from my house to a mile away, the blessing of this meeting being a mile from my house. And I knew the exact church. It's not like somewhere I had to like look up. I ended up in my first ACA meeting and within a very short period of time of hearing the opening readings, I was like, so validated. I was shook at, oh my God, if there's a program that's just for people like me, because I thought I was uniquely different. Mm-hmm. I thought I was so flawed. There, there was no one else like me. And here I was sitting in a room of people like me and I told myself, okay, I don't have to do it today. I don't have to off myself today. I can, I can do it tomorrow. And thankfully someone came up to me after the meeting and like did the newcomers packet with the list of meetings. And another blessing is this area I lived in had six meetings a week. That's very atypical for ACA. It was a pocket. I mean, even one of the original members who was, her name's Eileen, was like 88. She was in the meetings. Like amazing recovery. Blessing. And I kept telling myself, okay, I'll go to the meeting. And if I still want to, then I'll do it. Okay, I'll go to the meeting. If I still want to, I do it. Those pills stayed on that counter for, I think they were on there for, I feel like it was three months. And then I put them away. And then eventually, I got rid of them. And it was truly as a result of that program and those promises that they give in ACA. Really, when I first would read those, I'd go, I mean, that sounds amazing. But like, yeah. I'm going to be 90 before that happens, right? Like, sounds nice. Every single one of those promises is true for my life today. Like I love it. And I'm nine years in ACA. I would say even at like three, four years, all of those are true. But I made it a top priority in my life. Me, the workaholic, took that business I was running down to 10% of what its normal income was, enough to just pay my bills, but not even put anything in savings. I had to save my life. Fuck savings. And that's why I use the term abundance. It doesn't matter. I had a lot of money in the bank. I had a business. I had a BMW. I had a luxury townhouse. None of that mattered. I was spiritually, emotionally, mentally, and physically bankrupt that no amount of money could ever buy. And now I'm abundant, right? Where Where I have, you know, I have the wealth. I have the worth. I have the health. And one of the promises of 12-step is really that when you really read them. And it's absolutely without a doubt true, but only if you make it your number one priority. When people kind of who take longer, you know, they slip out, they might come back. I mean, I secretary meetings. I did the yellow book in a group for 18 months. I did the laundry list in a group. I mean, 
I sponsored people. I, I had to, I had to like my life depended on it and it absolutely saved my life. And now what I do to carry the message forward is I was not someone like how, you know, our friend Andrea, like wanted a whole podcast, right. Specifically on adult child that I couldn't do. I couldn't do that. That'd be too much for me. Right. Like I had, I, plus I have other interests. Right. And gifts. And gifts. Yeah. Yeah. What I wanted to do was utilize my gifts for showing people how to monetize their talents, their passions, their story and their skills to be financially empowered for themselves. They no longer have to depend on any person, place, thing, job or institution again for money because that gave me so much freedom. That gave me the freedom of options that freed me from having to ever be dependent on an unhealthy relationship and stay in there for money. And what I do is really talk about the mindset stuff. And even a lot of the best practices I teach all has 12 step infused because you can't have abundance with just strategy. The abundance has to come from having the gifts of recovery, plus you use, you know, proven strategy in a genuine way. And my life today, it's not like this is cute every day over here. You know, there's new layers and there's new things that go on, but I have the tools to navigate it. I know that I will get through it, even if it's crappy. And I really believe those of us who feel called to share our story, to share our experience, strength, and hope, like on that level, that's what gets me and keeps me prioritizing doing the work because I'm supposed to do it as part of a bigger message, as a beacon of hope for people, for people who are stuck in the shame, for me to say, hey, I get it. I was there. I promise you there is a way out. And I know how dark that hole is. I was laying on the bottom of that hole and there is a way out of that hole. But the main takeaway, if you take away nothing out of this episode, you cannot get out of that hole by continuing to go around the pain. You have got to go through the eye of the storm. You've got to go through the pain. There is no way around it. You'll spend your whole, that's part of why you're exhausted. Mm. You've been trying to go around the pain or kind of dibble dabble in the pain and then come out. And what we resist persists. It like becomes a scarier and scarier monster to avoid this pain. And the answer is having people, you know, people like Barb, you know, safe community people and fellowship, people like me that are there by your sides. You're not doing it alone going through that pain because what is on the other side is everything that you want Mm, absolutely yeah i love it there is no healing without feeling and it makes me reminds me of turchill had a saying if you're going through hell keep going in other words don't stop in the middle of hell keep going to the other side i actually have a note that i put on my computer here that says to avoid pain we perpetuate behaviors that create the very pain we're trying to avoid. And what recovery taught me was how the fuck to stop doing that. 
I really don't have any questions for you, but I want to highlight a few things that you said and then brag about you some more. So my dad was an entrepreneur too. And I've never put that, like I've heard you say so many times your mom was an entrepreneur, but it's really kind of funny, but it wasn't in the house. I grew up in his store. He had a pharmacy and I got off the bus and I literally grew up in a small business. And I think I'm going to absolutely put a link to your guest episode on the uh, mental illness happy hour so people can hear more because like I know so much more of your story than these guests of mine or these listeners of mine are able to hear. And there's so much more. I also really want to plug your podcast. I mean, I think you are one of the reasons that you appeal to me is one, you're an adult child and it's very clear that you're like, you can still have all these issues and still show up for your life and still have a business and still follow through for yourself. And two, you have like, I would say 50-50 mindset and strategy. And I listened to your podcast and I'm a member of your membership group and I'm going to be doing private coaching with you. Obviously, I think the world of you and I'm constantly like, how the fuck does she make any money? Because she gives away so much amazing shit for free. Like what is private coaching going to be like with her? And I'm constantly um, sharing your podcast and your Instagram account with other people. I do a lot of networking with entrepreneurs and I find that there's a huge overlap in terms of like the mindset of entrepreneurs and people in recovery, like the fall down seven times, get up eight. The like failure is an option. Like we get up when we fall. And also there's a fair number of adult children who are entrepreneurs because we have a high tolerance for dysfunction and chaos. Exactly. (laughs) We're really like, give me a gigantic fucking problem and I will solve it. I need to be like on at all times and that sort of thing. So I just can't say enough good things about you, Tiffany. And I think you are just a model of what recovery, what's possible in recovery. I mean, a couple of things that you haven't shared with people is Tiffany has two multi-million dollar businesses. So she went from wanting to off herself to taking that false self, taking the mask off, becoming her authentic self and creating a super abundant life. And she creates abundant life for other people too. So she's another example of like, you can't keep what you have unless you give it away, which is a principle in recovery. So I could go on and on, but I'd like for you to say whatever it is you want to say to folks about how they can find you. I will of course put all your links in the show notes, but you know, share what it is you want them to hear about like what they can get from following you and where to do it. I want you to be able to have proof of what is possible for you. You don't have to be some type A perfectly organized, mentally sound person in order to be able to create a life and a lifestyle that feels good and nurturing to you. Cause I always had the belief as well. Like my mom went to Harvard, you know, like, you have to be like that kind of a person and you have to be super smart and you have to be very disciplined and organized and focused and all of these things in order to have it. Otherwise, you're basically just have to sacrifice yourself and trade something you don't want to trade in order to make the money you want to make, in order to get the support you want, in order to get the love you want, in order to have the health that you want. And it's all a lie. None of that is true. The catch, I always say what the catch is to everything. The catch is the mask has to come off. Mm. 
when we show up as our real, genuine, authentic selves, and that doesn't mean it's not wildly vulnerable. Like by the time this is airing, my brand new workbook course is out, make more work less. So I'm going to make sure you have the link to that. It's incredible. If you want a starting point, this is your starting point. I've made it really fun. It's like an adult activity book. You know how you got those activity yeah. books as kids? This is like an adult version. Because if it's not fun, what's the point? Yeah. We've spent enough of our lives sacrificing and not having fun. When everything gets easier is when we show up as ourselves and we have acceptance. Self-acceptance and acceptance from a few others for being exactly who we are. And I'm telling you, everything clicks into place in an incredible way. You can get more of my free content, Instagram and TikTok at Project Me with Tiffany. My podcast is Project Me with Tiffany Carter. You can Google that. That Mm -hmm. comes right up. It'll be in the show notes. I'll make sure that Barb has the link to my new guided workbook video course as a great starting point. Mm -hmm. This is going to help you shift this money story, this abundance story in seven days or less. Like, have you really look at the dotted lines of the money stuff and the childhood stuff? Because like in our ACA book, it touches on it like a little bit. And my goal is to go much deeper in that area because when good people make great money, incredible things can happen out of that. And it also feels so empowering for us to be able to also have the options and the freedom to do fun things, to donate, to be able to help more people, to focus more on our health and recovery. That's very difficult to do when there aren't funds. And I'm very aware of that. So I invite you to, you can binge all my free content. You know, it's a beautiful starting point. And this is here for you. It's possible for you. So I think what I also want to put in there is you did the four episodes about attachment styles and money, which I know like were your like viral episodes that you did. So I want to put those links in the show notes too. That's a great starting point on identifying what is your attachment style, like avoidant, anxious, all of that, how that applies to money. And then is your childhood trauma causing your money drama? Those are also, it's a two-parter. Those went viral as well. It's really eye-opening stuff. Yeah. So I'll put those in the show notes. And the one last thing I want to say is that just like you, the way you didn't say I dove in, but you essentially said I dove into ACA. I did the same thing. I would say for me, it was like in two years, I was a radically different person. I continue to grow and change. Of course, I've been in eight and a half years, so not much less time than you. But I fucking quit everything. I was like a volunteer. I was like, you know who I'm going to volunteer for? I'm going to volunteer for Barb. And I went to like four or five, six meetings a week. I did the yellow workbook. I started sponsoring in my first, you know, maybe my second year. And then that didn't really work out. But then I continued to like, I did steps, like I let, I facilitated step studies. I did the laundry list workbook. I'm now doing the loving parent guidebook. I've done a shit ton of service because I learned how to give service from love as opposed to a people pleasing rescuer fixer. Anyway, well, thank you so much, Tiffany. I appreciate you. Thank you, everybody. Have a great day. 
If you're ready to finally have an enjoyable, relaxing summer doing things you really want to do, instead of always following other people's agendas, I have some openings for private clients right now. If you are really tired of saying yes to things you really don't want to do and being overly accommodating to others, this is for you. It's time to start accommodating yourself. Maybe you're dissatisfied with your relationships and overwhelmed with all kinds of difficult feelings because of your interactions with others. If you'd like to get your life in order before the summer hits, go to barbchat.net and sign up for a free 30-minute call with me about my private coaching so we can get started right away. That way, you'll be done by summer. This is for people who are finally ready to make deep, lasting changes in their relationship patterns, including their relationships with themselves, their partners, family, friends, and colleagues. Go to barbchat.net. If you like this podcast, and I'm guessing you did or you wouldn't still be listening, then you're going to love the other things I have to offer. If you'd love pre-released podcast scripts and episodes before anyone else gets them, or if you'd love access to content from my private vault that I developed exclusively for my private clients, which is like having a work session with me without me actually being there, go to patreon.com slash higher power coaching. There are three tiers ranging from as low as $4 up to $24 a month. You'll also love my weekly newsletter, Friday Fragments, which has content very similar to the podcast. You can check it out at fridayfragments.news. That's fridayfragments.news. Please like and subscribe to my podcast on your favorite podcast outlet. I'd also love it if you'd leave a review, which you can do either in the show notes or on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find my podcast so they can get the benefits you've gotten from listening. If someone came to mind when you listened to this particular episode, please share it with them. And my favorite place to hang out on social media is Instagram. I'm at Higher Power Coaching. Please DM me there. I'd love to hear what you got from this episode. I run group and private coaching programs on building healthy boundaries. Whether you need help with boundaries in your personal, professional, or romantic life, I can help. Head on over to barbchat.net where you can hop onto my calendar for a free 30-minute Better Boundaries consultation. My ideal client is someone who is ripe for change. If that's you, I would love to work with you. My goal with all my work is to help you make lasting changes in your life like I've made deep lasting changes in my life. Remember, it's never too late to recover. No one is beyond hope and healing is possible. Thanks for listening.